Scripture reading this morning comes from James chapter 4, verses 13 through 17. James writes, Come now you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. May God bless the reading of his word. You know, I think James addresses at least three issues in this passage. He addresses pride. He addresses planning. And he addresses providence. So let's look what he says about pride. All throughout this chapter, he's been dealing with pride. How pride shows itself in the heart of a person. Uh, how it shows itself in our, in our coveting and how we want something that we don't have that maybe someone else has. It shows itself in our speech, how we criticize one another. And now he says it even shows itself in our planning. And there's this, there's this well-known poem that was written by the 19th century English poet William Ernest Henley entitled Invictus. And the title Invictus is Latin and the word means invincible. And I first heard, I may have heard this poem before, but I remember it from the movie with the same title as the poem Invictus. Maybe some of you may remember this movie. But the movie is about South Africa during and uh, before and during the 1995 rugby World Cup. And Morgan Freeman plays Nelson Mandela in this film. Have you all seen this movie? So he plays this, uh, Morgan Freeman plays Nelson Mandela. And at one point in the movie, with his one of a kind voice, obviously, you know, Morgan Freeman, he recites Mandela's favorite poem, Invictus. And the last stanza of the poem reads this way it says, It matters not how straight the gate, How charged with punishments the scroll. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. And those last two lines are so memorable, aren't they? I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. And this poem really served as a motivator for Mandela during his 27 years in prison before being freed and then becoming a leader of a nation. However, even though that poem is very memorable, especially those last lines, and it may even be inspiring, you have to ask yourself, am I really the master of my fate and the captain of my soul? I mean, how much control do I actually have over life, my life? James, if if you look back at this passage, James is writing to people who believe they are the masters of their faith. They are the captain of their souls. Because he says these people, they're planning out their lives as if they have it all figured out and have great self-confidence that they do have, in fact, control over their lives. And they say this. They say, I I know when I'm going to do something. He says, they say, uh, today or tomorrow, we're going to go. And they say even where they're going to go. We're going to go to such and such a city. 
And then it says that they say even what they will do. What we'll do is we'll go to such and such a city and then we're going to trade and make a profit. Very confident. And then they say how long they're going to do it. We'll spend about a year there. So we will do this. We will do that. This is how it's going to work out. A lot of self-confidence there. And this is what it looks like to allow pride to make your plans. I will, I will, I will. And this is how it's going to pan out. You know, there's no reference to the will of God. There's no submitting your plans to God. There's no seeking out the purposes of God or the counsel of God's word in your life. This is a, this is a life plan produced by pride with the illusion that you are in control. Kent Hughes, a pastor, once said, So pervasive is our culture's arrogant independence of God that even many, if not most, Christians attend church, marry, choose their vocations, have children, buy and sell homes, expand their portfolio, and numbly ride the currents of culture without substantial reference to the will of God. In other words, we just make our plans and we just do our own thing. And James tells us that allowing pride to make our plans is actually foolish because we are not the masters of our faith and the captains of our souls. In other words, we're not ultimately in control of what happens. In verse 14 he writes, Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. And this is where he starts zeroing in on the pride. He says, you know, you can't say that you're going to do all these different things because you don't even know what tomorrow holds. You don't know what it's going to bring. You know, even the ancient philosopher Seneca said, how foolish it is for a man to make plans for his life when not even tomorrow is in his control. And one of the best illustrations of this is Jesus' parable found in Luke chapter 12, verses 16 through 21. Listen to what Luke records. He says, And he told them a parable saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, You have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to the man, Fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. You know, the, rea- the reality is, is that none of us know what tomorrow holds, right? And so this should humble us that we are not in control. We're not ultimately in control of what the days hold. And this should bring humility to our lives and calls us to submit to the one that holds tomorrow. That knows, the one who knows what tomorrow will bring. James goes on to say in verse 14, he says, what is your life? For you are a mist 
that appears for a little time and then vanishes. You know, as you read the Bible, the Bible is very quick to remind us that our lives are like a mist, a vapor, a shadow, a cloud, or like grass. Now, that's not meant to make life depressing. (laughs) You're like, thanks, Ron. That's just so uplifting this morning. Just going to leave here so happy. But the Bible's not saying that just to make you depressed. It's meant to just show you that, you know, you need to learn to number your days. You're not in control of tomorrow. You don't know what tomorrow brings. We're only here for a little while. So the Bible doesn't share that to say you're not important, you're not valuable. But what it is is saying is it's meant to humble us and remind us that we are dependent on an independent God. And this is what this was the truth that led Moses to pray in Psalm 90. He said, you know, I know my time is limited, so teach me to number my days that I may present to you a heart of wisdom. So as followers of Christ, we need to, to plan with humility and not allow pride to attempt to plan our days. And planning is the second issue that James addresses here in verse 15. He says, instead, instead of planning without regard to God, without a view to eternity. Instead, you ought to say, but before we get to what we ought to say, I want you to show that just the fact that he says that, he's basically saying, you should plan, but there's a way to do it. Don't allow pride to plan your days. There is, a, there is a, an approach for us as believers in Christ to follow, but we should not allow pride to make our plans But planning is wise. You know, the Bible's full of uh, instruction about planning. You know, if you read through the scriptures, you see, okay, planning is a good thing. For example, Proverbs 21.5. The plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. Proverbs 24.27. Prepare your work outside. Get everything ready for yourself in the field. And after that, build your house. Proverbs 6, 6 through 8. Go to the ant, O sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief, officer, or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. Even Jesus himself said in Luke 14, 28. For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down, count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. So we see all throughout Scripture, you can look at examples like Moses and Joshua and David, Solomon. I mean, these men, Nehemiah, uh, Paul, we're going to look at him in a moment. But the idea of planning is wise. You should plan. There's nothing wrong with planning. So, you know, plan out your day. Now, some of you are planners. Right? You got like 15 planners. You got boxes you're checking. I mean, you like to plan out every little moment. That's, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Some of you are not planners. You're just kind of spontaneous. You kind of go with the flow, laid back. And maybe, you know, wouldn't hurt you to do a little more planning. And that's okay. Planning is a good thing. So plan out your day, plan out your week, plan out your year. Save for your child's education, for, your, for a car, for a vacation, for retirement, 
uh, pursue job training, pursue an education so that you can pursue that job you desire. You know, planning is wise, but not planning that is produced by pride. So there is a way for us to plan. There's a way that we ought to view planning. And this is the third issue James addresses in the passage. So we should not plan with pride, thinking that we're in control. We should plan with providence in mind. Now this word providence is a term that is used to summarize God's ongoing relationship with His creation. So when someone says the word providence, that's what they're talking about. How God continues to work in the midst of His creation to bring about His purposes. Providence. So the Bible teaches us that God is sovereign, meaning He is the ruler of creation. Providence speaks to how God rules His creation. And so we believe that God not only created all things, but He's involved in His creation to bring it to a desired end. That's that's providence. How God is moving things to a conclusion. His desired end. How He is working His purposes throughout creation to a desired end. And this is why James tells us in verse 15, he says, as you make plans, you ought to say, this is what you ought to say, If the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. So plan, plan for this or that. But you need to do it this way. You need to plan with providence in mind. If the Lord wills, then I will seek to do this or that. And maybe you've heard a similar saying related to James's teaching here. Let's say someone invited you to a party for tomorrow night. Maybe you're going to watch some... March Madness basketball games or something. I don't know. But you're invited to a party tomorrow night. And you respond by saying, I'll be there, Lord willing, and the creek don't rise, right? Or it doesn't rise for the city folk. The country folk, y'all say, don't rise. They don't rise. So uh, this, this saying is kind of a folksy saying. And it, it's, it's stating that, you know, I will, I will be at this event if the Lord wills and the creek does not rise. And so this little saying actually lines up very well with James's teaching. In other words, the person using that saying is stating that my intent is to attend your event. However, I am acknowledging that I am not in control of all things. For example, if a storm were to move in, and wash out the bridge, I will be unable to attend the March Madness party. Okay? Now we know that people, you know, many people use that phrase. They probably aren't thinking through it that much. They're just saying it because it's a cute little saying. But the saying's actually right on target with what James is saying. He's saying, if you really understood the saying, you're basically stating, I'm not in control of everything. These are my plans, but you know what? They could change because I'm not God. And if God brings about change, then I'm going, to be, I'm going to have to change my plans. In other words, I'm the dependent one. He's the independent one. And so I want to plan and keep my plans, though, in an open hand. And so this phrase really lines up well to 
uh, James's teaching. We should we should plan, but we should hold our plans with an open hand, realizing we are dependent on God and His purposes for us. The Book of Proverbs puts it like this in Proverbs nineteen twenty one: Many plans are in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. In other words, God will accomplish His purpose. Period. Your purpose may or may not happen. Your plan may or may not happen. Because you are the dependent one. He is the independent one. And so we are the ones that should hold our plans in an open hand. We should say, if the Lord wills, that should be our mindset. If God wills, then I want to do it this way. I want to pursue this. If God wills. But I want to align myself up to His purposes not try to force him into mine. So we can plan and we should plan, but we should hold our plans with an open hand. And this is the approach of the Apostle Paul. I want you to just, I want to take you to a few passages in the New Testament. Paul tells the Ephesian believers in Acts 18, 21, listen to what he says. But on taking leave of them, he said to these Ephesian believers, I will return to you if God wills. And he set sail for Ephesus. In 1 Corinthians 4.19, Paul says, But I will come to you soon, if the Lord wills, and I will find out not the talk of these arrogant people, but their power. In 1 Corinthians 16.7, he says, For I do not want to see you now just in passing. I hope to spend some time with you, if the Lord permits. So that was in Paul's mindset. I mean, he was a planner. He had an agenda. He wanted to to go certain places and do certain things. But he also realized, you know what? I want to align my agenda to God's agenda. If the Lord wills, I want to follow his leading in my life. So Paul was a planner, but he held his plans with an open hand. He sought God's direction. And I'm wondering, just think about your plans. How do you make your plans? Are you just thinking, you know, this is what I want to do? Or do you step back and say, you know what? I don't even know what tomorrow holds. I'm a, I'm, my life is like a mist. I'm here for a little while and then I'm gone. Perhaps I should align myself with the one who is eternal. Whose plans will last forever. And seek God's will. God, what do you want me to do? This is what I would like to do. How does that align with what you want me to do? How does that align with what you're doing in the world? How does this align with what you've said in your word? You know, we don't run across uh, this certain practice anymore. But, you know, when Christians used to sign their their letters, uh, they used to sign it in a very unique way. After they would write a letter to someone, at the end of the letter they would sign their name and they would put the initials D.V. at the very end. See, those initials D.V. stand for the Latin term Deo Valente, which is a Latin phrase that means God willing. And so they would write the letter out, speak of their plans and whatnot. Then they would sign their name and they would put DV, God willing. In other words, they understood, 
you know, I, I want my agenda to line up with God's, not the other way around. These are the plans I have. This is what I'm thinking. But you know what? I'm the dependent one. And I just want to do God's will. And so let me ask you this. You know, are you willing to stamp DV at the end of your agenda? Or are you willing to submit your plans to the Lord? The person that you'll date. The job you will take. The church you will join. How you'll spend your money. How you'll spend your time. How you use your words. Will you stamp DV at the end of that? And say, you know what? This is what I want to do. Uh, but, you know, God willing. I'm gonna, I want to seek your will above everything else. Or... I guess the other option would be you allow pride to make your plans and you try to hold your plan with with a closed fist and then guess what's going to happen? Your plans are not always going to work out. And when they don't, you will rage against God. You will rage against God because He didn't do it your way. But when you humble yourself, And you realize, you know what? I'm a mist. I appeared just for a little while. God is the eternal one. I want to be about His business. I want to do life His way. Because that's the best way. Then you can stamp DV at the end of your agenda. And even even though things may not go your way, you know God is with you. And you know He is good. Our main concern while we're here should be to, to seek to do the Lord's good and perfect will. You know, we should have eternity in mind as we plan, as we live out our days. You know, we should seek to, like Jesus said, be rich toward God. Instead of just building bigger barns for ourselves on this side of the grave, we need to be thinking eternally. And we should seek to be rich towards God. And the way we're rich towards God is living a life of faith in Christ. That is how we become rich towards God. It's a life of faith in Christ. Living out this faith in in Christ. You cannot be rich toward God without Christ. You cannot store up treasures in heaven without Jesus. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. So the only way to invest positively for eternity is through Jesus, is through faith in Christ. And so if we're going to be rich toward God, if our plans are going to count for eternity, then our lives must be characterized by faith in Christ. That is the only way we can pursue eternal good and store up treasures in heaven. So the first question is, have you given your life to Christ? Apart from Christ, we can do nothing. You need Christ. Have you given your life to Christ? Now the second question is, are you living your life for Christ? I mean, this doesn't mean that you literally have to say every time you make a plan, uh, I'll be there God willing. You know, if that helps you, you can say that, but you know it's more than just saying it, right? I mean, <laughs> it's an attitude of the heart. I mean, it's, it's a belief. Are you living your life for Christ? Or are you just simply building bigger barns for yourself? You know, I wonder, you know, instead of pridefully planning out our lives and just mapping it out without any regard for God and His purposes in the world, I wonder if we could humbly say, you know, Jesus, you are the master of my faith. 
You are the Savior of my soul. And I gladly submit my life and my plans to you. I wonder if that's your desire today. I wonder if you'd make that your prayer even today. Jesus, you are the master of my fate. You are the king. You are the savior of my soul. Apart from you, I can do nothing. And I gladly submit my life and my plans to you. If that's your desire, let's make that our prayer as we go to God in prayer. Let's pray. Father, you know we make plans. We are planners. We have agendas. We have thoughts about what life was, is going to be like for us. Lord, you tell us planning is, is wise. But you also tell us that allowing pride to produce our plans is foolish. Lord, help us to be intentional with our days. Like Moses, teach us to number our days. That we may present to you a heart of wisdom. That we may make the most of every opportunity. That as we make plans, may we say in our hearts, If you are willing, Lord, this is what I think I should do. This is what we should do. If you are willing. But if you are not willing, help us to have the humility to accept that. And continue to pursue you by faith. Because we know apart from Christ we can do nothing. There is nothing we can do that will last for eternity for good without Jesus. Lord, if there's anyone here that doesn't know Christ as their Lord and Savior, I pray that today would be the day they, they give their lives to you, Lord. To experience the life that you have for them. For those of us who are in Christ, Lord, help us to... Stamp DV at the end of our agenda. Make plans, but submit those plans to you that we may be aligned with your work in this world, that you may receive the glory, that we may experience the life that you have for us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.